uh, it's hard to say actually. I think you know if if your business is going to make or break whether you jump on the trend or not, then you know it's too late. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Map It Forward, friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and this is episode five of our five-part series with Tim Windebo. Tim, we're talking about the evolving specialty coffee market. And one of the things that keeps coming up when I talk to people around the world when it comes to specialty coffee is what's the latest trend and and what's the thing that... And uh, this has been an amazing discussion so far, but I want to ask you, (laughs) this is probably perhaps the darker part of the conversation because trends seem to be the thing that for me kneecaps progress in any industry because it kind of derails us from a, a steady path forward. It keeps distracting people. What do you think the role of trends is it has in our industry. Do you think it's a good thing? Do you think it's a damaging thing to to different yeah. stakeholders? Uh, well, I, I first and foremost, I agree a lot with you. I think it's uh, something that holds us back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I my company has never been jumping on trends because we have a very clear uh, vision of where we want to be and how we should get there. Mm-hmm. So we just try to focus on our own business and do whatever we want to do. Uh, but of course, you have to you have to kind of uh, interact with trends sometimes because they do happen, and uh, mm-hmm. sometimes you need to have a reply. Like for instance, why don't we have anaerobic four thousand hour fermented coffees? You have to hours. know how to answer that. It's <laughs> fantastic. So, um, yeah, but I I do see you know trends can also be a positive thing um, in terms of awakening interest in, in the industry. So mm-hmm. uh, one one trend, you know, I when I started drinking coffee, the trend was to put flavored syrups into the coffee. And uh, I didn't like coffee. So for me, that was a great thing. And of course, I learned how to like, like normal coffee now without any additives. And the coffee has gotten better, so it's easier to like as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, but I, you know, it caught my interest in coffee at least. And uh, you do see now, like with the, it used to be naturals. Now it's like this fermented stuff. It it creates uh, a interest in markets that might not have been uh, that ready for coffee yet. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, Middle East. I know that they really love uh, like naturals and fermented coffees because that has been the traditional coffee. Yep. And when when some companies started there a few years ago, trying to only sell washed coffees, people, I, I at least what I heard is like people didn't really like it. Yeah, that's know, true. Because it didn't but, taste enough. Yeah, the traditional way of drinking coffee, Arabic coffee, is that there's spice and there's a whole bunch of things that are naturally added to the brewing of the coffee. So when people started bringing yeah. these co-fermented coffees here and 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 other kind of like long fermentation processes. It was a very easy barrier to entry for for locals here, so it's it's yeah. seen as something that they can drink all day. Whereas in Australia, I mean, it's not something that's being well adopted. Yeah, and you do I, you do see like other things that I don't really consider a trend, but more like something that has come to stay, and that was what they called hand brewing trends, you know, a few years back. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
I don't see it as a trend because people are still handbring and loving it. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's became but, um, become so, main like a main part of the industry though. Yeah, but um, yeah. So I, I'm actually I have a very relaxed relationship to it. It's just like in, within our company, we try not to just you know, for instance, cold brew. We don't serve that because it's trendy. Uh, we don't serve it. Uh, oh, I, how to say? People asked us if we wanted to serve it when because it became very trendy, and the answer is still no because it doesn't taste good. You know, <laughs> so I don't care if it's trendy when it doesn't taste good. I we don't do it. Agree. <laughs> I just haven't tasted a good cold brew. <laughs> well, that's my opinion. Yeah, yeah. and 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 the and same I... with these fermented coffins. For me, they don't taste good. So why should I sell it if I don't like it personally? I, I don't want to sell it. It's nothing wrong with it. It's nothing wrong to like it. It's just that's not what we want to offer in our store. And so what do you think as, in my opinion, 2024 is going to be a very formative year and pivotal year in our industry? It's usual at this time that people try and grasp for trends to find ways to stimulate their business or create hype because that's what we're addicted to as a society these days. What do you think the way out of this challenging year is going to be? Is it going to be to lean on trends? I mean, it's not for your business. It's very clear. That's not what you do. But as an industry, what ends up happening? <laughs> yeah. Do we lean on trends? It's hard to say. Folks, our first on-demand workshop, How to Become a Coffee Consultant, is now available for you to learn at your own pace and it comes with a certificate upon completion. Go to mapperforward.coffee forward slash workshops or click the link in the show notes for more details. Support this podcast by supporting our sponsors. Uh, it's hard to say, actually. I think, you know, if, if your business is going to make or break, whether you jump on the trend or not, then, you know, it's too late. So, um, yeah, I don't really know. I think, you know, to run a good business, you first and foremost have to have a healthy way of running the business economically and have good routines and everything. But also, you need to kind of find a, your place in the market and uh, a reason why people want to use you uh, instead of other businesses or in addition to other businesses. Mm -hmm. So, you have to kind of offer something that is unique to you. And the only way you can be unique as a business is if you do something that you really love and believe in yourself, I think. Because if you do it, most likely other people will do it. Mm -hmm. If you try to just copy everyone else, you're always going to be a copy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the second you're never going to be a leader. So, um, have you, have you no, had exactly. a trend? So, uh, I think. Have you had a trend that you've actually liked? Or at oh, least I'm found sure there's mildly plenty, amusing. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I guess the kind of first wave of uh, naturals, when that yeah. happened in like 2008 or something, mm -hmm. um, there was, uh, I remember Joseph Brodsky, who is now 90 plus, but uh, he did some coffees from Ethiopia and they were amazing. And, yeah, I still find those type of coffees to be really, really good. But uh, that was uh, something that we really loved and kind of stopped doing for a while. Maybe because we couldn't get those coffees anymore, and then we kind of we have a natural now, but uh, and that's in kind of the same category, I would say. But uh, yeah, no, it's hard to say actually. 
we had the clover for a while. That was trendy. That was trendy. And then Starbucks <laughs> wanted to kill that. So they bought them all. <laughs> God, remember yeah. those days. Wow. And then, then we started with the AeroPress instead, which, you know, for us was a blessing. But uh, uh, at least, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, of course we have jumped on some trends. I just mm -hmm. can't remember yeah. them from the top of my head. Um, where, when it comes to the way that ever, uh, that specialty coffee is evolving, where do you see us by the end of 2024? Wow. I think there will be a little bit of consolidation in the market, uh, mm -hmm. especially in the markets where, uh, where, uh, there is, has been an over-establishment maybe of, uh, roasters, mm -hmm. um, and also coffee shops. So. And that can be healthy because <clears throat> at least here in Norway, you see a lot of uh, people opening roasteries as more like a hobby. So they have a roaster right. in their garage. It's maybe a five kilo roaster. Um, they do have a little bit of volume, but uh, not enough to sustain a salary, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's really difficult to, to make the transition from, from that to hobby. a business where you have to have employees and everything. So sometimes you just see people say okay i'm not going to do this anymore and they sell the roster and that's it and that's fine you know uh but you also see uh some others where for instance now we we had a big customers a customer who called us and said you know <laughs> we had just been bought by a bigger group and um, we need cheaper coffee and then i i literally told them you've come to the wrong place we don't nice. sell cheap coffee <laughs> nice so, so they're going to stop being a customer. And uh, for us, that's kind of okay because, oh, yeah, it's a lot of volume, but it's also a lot of work. So we, we, we will get some more capacity when, when they disappear that we can focus on something else. So we just need to kind of have a plan for how do you, if, if you're losing business, you need to kind of uh, make a plan to how, uh, how are you going to get it back. And sometimes, you know, scaling down is not bad because, uh, less risk. Okay, we can produce less, but we can have also less employees. You know, um, yeah. of course, we don't want to fire anyone. But uh, some during a year when you run a coffee business, there's normally a person that quits because mm -hmm. you have students working for you and stuff like that. So yeah. you just have to adapt, I think. And um, yeah, so it's hard to say where the industry is going because uh, I don't know <laughs> industry everywhere. But uh, uh, one thing is for sure is that. Uh, it will probably continue uh, going a little bit downhill when it comes to quality, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And uh, because of that, I, I I do see that you know that's a that's a sign that something is not healthy, and that's it needs a little correction in the market. I hope that uh, I hope that this year doesn't turn out to be the year that I think it is going to be ahead. I hope that I <laughs> I hope that I've got this wrong. But I, I agree and what do you think? I think that we're going to see a lot of uh, delayed pain bear fruit Ooh. now. I think that a lot of people who yeah. have been, um, you know, building their businesses on credit and not taking responsibility for paying down that credit. Um, I think that, you know, with the collapse of companies like Mercon, uh, I'm gonna say. I think we're gonna see a lot more of that. I think that mm. um, climate change is really gonna impact a lot of what's happening, and we're going to see the consequences of that start to really shine 
in a negative way in the mm. industry. I, I, I think all of this is really great because it's going to hold us accountable for a lot of the language that we've been using over the past decade and now we're going to have to show up yeah. for that language. And I think we're going to have yeah. to fix the problems that we say that we've wanted to fix. So I think it's a wonderful thing. But I do think that um, what you're saying about consolidation is absolutely going to happen. And that consolidation yeah. is going to come at a very cheap price because a lot of businesses yeah. are going to be forced to go out of business, just like what happened with Mercon. And uh, unfortunately, the pain points that are going to come from that are going to rest on the producer because they're not going to have as many businesses to sell coffee to. And there's going to be a lot less yeah. competition in the market. And given that there's a lot less competition, we're going to have the producer get screwed with regards to pricing. Um, yeah. The positive side of that, I think, is that the producer is going to have more power now and they're going to turn around and tell the consuming countries, they're going to tell them where to go and they're going to start seeing um, or be inspired by the companies that are building these little uh, you know, economies within the producing countries of you know, cafes that are popping up and they're saying, well, screw it, I'm going to try this. And I think yeah. that if we can start to see a lot more of that happening, we can start to see producers be empowered and now that we're shifting the dynamic of where the power is, and I think we're going to start to see a lot more of that this coming year. And yeah. who knows where we go by the end of that? I think that this is the year we all ha end up taking have, having to take responsibility for the way that we participated in the supply chain. And that's yeah. an exciting thing for me. Well, I hope the change will be positive for producers for sure. Because well, well, uh, it never has been. It never has been. Not in the long term. And I think that this is going to be the year where we start to see that, that tide shift this year and next year. So 2024 in and 2025 is where I start to see that the pain points will start to revert in the direction of the producer provided that they jump on this wave and ride this tide and say, no, given that consumption is I think at the point where there's been recent reports where they're saying consumption is outstripping production. So this yeah. does this does give the producer more power now. Yeah. So let's hope that enough people can support the producers in the way of helping them ride this wave so that we can redistribute some of this power across the supply chain and see where yeah. it goes. That's what I hope will happen this year. And I hope that there's enough people like you who have farms and have relationships with enough producers that turn around and start saying, hey, we should start thinking about cultivating this local community of coffee drinkers and start teaching people in coffee-producing countries how to consume specialty coffee. Yeah. Just like yeah. they're doing in China. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, and that story I've heard for many years as well. Like, if only the Chinese drank one cup a day, a yeah. cu cup of coffee a day, or in, the, in India, for instance. So uh, I, I know it was a dream for the coffee board of India that all Indians 
drank coffee because yep. that you know would solve all their problems <laughs> yeah and they, they're starting to do that right like they're they're, they're starting to yeah. this conference that was at world coffee conference it was massively inspiring i gave a workshop thinking that not so many people would attend it because i didn't think that there were that yeah. many people that were opening cafes it was one of the most attended workshops. There was over a thousand people that came to this workshop that wanted to understand. Wow. Yeah, it was massive. And none of us, well, I certainly didn't expect that many people would come to my workshop. And it was about creating community around an industry and how to actually Good. establish the industry correctly, making sure that the front end of your innovation S curve is kind of flat so that you are contributing to establishing a drinking culture as well as a lot of businesses. So I'm really yeah. excited about the fact that we're about to go through some serious pain points. But I think that the winner out of this is going to be the producing countries. Yeah. I think, to be honest, I think you need a little bit of both, both of uh, export and internal consumption because like you see in Greece, mm -hmm. for instance, the it's really difficult to get Greek wine outside of Greece because yeah. they drink all of it. <laughs> but um, the, they're the drinking their troubles away. The <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the problem is uh, the, the the price of Greek wine is quite low. You know, even yeah. if if you compare it to the quality. So, um, uh, in order to kind of put some real value to the wine, you kind of need a little bit of export as well you to see what people US are actually willing to pay for the wine. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, it's complex. I'm I'm terrible at predicting the future, and I have, I always fail when I <laughs> try Same. to predict something. So, um, <laughs> Which is why yeah. I'm hopeful this time because I'm predicting that it's going to yeah. be dark. So I hope it's going to be um, a different direction to that. Tim, thank you. This has been yeah. a wonderful conversation. Uh, thanks for being the yeah, first like, conversation for 2024. It. Where can people find um, all of your details, the the socials and the website and all of that? So Tim Wendelbo uh, on Instagram, uh, I guess that's where I'm the most active. I have mm -hmm. a podcast called the Tim Wendelbo Coffee Podcast, uh, YouTube, awesome. Tim Wendelbo as well. And well, of course, our website, timwendelbo.no for Norway. Awesome. Links are in the show notes, folks. Make sure that you go and check out their coffee. It's amazing. Just saying. Um, <laughs> will you do us the honor of signing off this episode, Tim? Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, thanks for a great conversation, Lee. Uh, Thank you, Tim. Peace, love, and peanut butter. Have an amazing rest of your day, everyone. Bye. <laughs> thanks for tuning in, friends. There are two ways you can support this podcast. Firstly, become a paid member of our YouTube channel. Secondly, you can join our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. Both have options for exclusive ad-free content and early release content. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. The Daily Coffee Pro is produced by Mapper Forward and the music you're listening to is called Run 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 off of my album Laundry After Midnight. To get older episodes of this podcast as well as more information on Mapper Forward, head to mapperforward.coffee. You can find links and more information in the show notes below. 